You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Mark chapter 4. I want to read a passage and get straight into the word. Mark chapter 4. My name is Mark. We're going to the book of Mark to hear the words of Mark through the voice of Mark. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Just for a second, um, the one thing Jesus talked about more than anything in his entire ministry life was the kingdom of God. And let me just put a few parameters around that. The kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is interchangeable, isn't a location. When you talk about the kingdom of a country, you're talking about a territory, it's where the king is in charge. So the kingdom of God is wherever God is in charge. So you can be the only Christian in your family, you can be the only believer in your workplace, and the kingdom of heaven is where you are, if where you are is under the lordship of God. And he talked about this so much, and people like this God thing, this kingdom thing, this faith thing. What is it? How does it work? And the best way he did was tell stories. And he told a number of them, and this is one of them, and we're looking at it as we start this year. Well, it's almost end of Jan. Lots happening. Here we go. Here's what he said. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Tell us, God, what is it like? A man scatters seed on the ground. A man scatters seed on the ground. That's it. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. It does not mean the man doesn't understand farming, the principles, but there is a mystery to the miraculous nature of this kingdom. And just settle in your heart from the outset that there's going to be things in your life that are going to happen and you're you're not going to know how it happened. I I like reading, understanding, analyzing. I don't believe God gave us brains to throw it away. I do believe, however, faith is far higher than the greatest intellect the world has ever seen. So no matter how intelligent you are, real faith will always involve a mystery, a, a miraculous nature to it. If the boundary of your thinking is the limit of your faith, you don't have a big God. Your brain is God. I I can't understand everything about God, no matter how much I read, how much I explain. And there is a do not know how dynamic to what this kingdom of God is like. And I'm praying that your 2023 is filled with miracles and mystery where you're going to look back and go, I don't know how, but somehow my kid's on track. I don't know how, but God helped me through. I don't know how. I did what I could. Some things I messed up. Some things I stuffed up. Some things I really did good. But I don't know how I'm still here today. I don't know how, but my heart is still open today. There is a mystery and a dynamic, which doesn't mean we don't learn, study, or read. It does mean there's a miraculous nature to it. And in case the problem with, 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 with thoughts is we think, if I don't understand it, it can't be true. I don't understand it, if I can't explain it, set yourself free from having to explain everything. I've got some family members, and if I could just explain this, if I could explain that, I know they will open that. There's going to be a dynamic where no matter how articulate you are, you won't be able to explain it. 
That's what makes him God. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And as high as the heavens are above the earth. Meaning, okay, God, my thoughts are not your thoughts. But the gap isn't close. He said, as high as the heavens are above the earth. So it's not, it's not even like you can try and work over the next decade to narrow the gap. Just surrender. Just go, thank you, God. This mystery of the kingdom will have a dynamic. I just have to fall on my face and say, wow, you're amazing. And you know, the thing about mystery is it could go two ways. If your heart is hard, mystery will make you bitter. Because you don't have the answers you're seeking. Until you tell me why, I won't respond. And mystery can harden your heart if your heart is already in that direction. But if your heart is soft, mystery makes you mute with awe and wonder. And you're like, God, I don't understand, but you are amazing. I can't explain how this is going to work, but you are amazing. So mystery can go in either direction depending on the condition of your heart. I know many people who've stayed away from faith because of the mystery of it. And equally, yet a soft heart makes you in awe of a God who's way beyond my ability to explain him. I don't know how many times in so many areas that I don't know how is the answer I have, which is not an answer if someone's asking a question when you say, I don't know. But that is the only honest answer. I've sat in so many roundtables and pastors' meetings and different things, and well-meaning people just go, so can you tell us um, how this whole Kingdom City thing works, like how all these different countries and how? I'm like, oh, I don't know how. Scattered some seed on the ground. Then I went to sleep. I got up the next day. I don't know how. And then they looked very unimpressed at me. They're like, we didn't fly you all the way over to our conference to tell us you don't know how. You're supposed to tell us how. I said, I don't know how. Okay, I'll give you a reason. I can make something up. God, that's the truth. I know who, I don't know how. And yet, that is the honest reality. There's wisdom, there's leadership, there's strategy, all of that. I'm into all of that. I believe in it. I'm part of it. I get it. But it doesn't explain this. In fact, once, this is about seven years ago, I had a pastor, a leader of a state in Australia, Queensland. Um, he said to me, he said to me, he literally said to me, I've never met him. He, he's hosting this function for the top 30 churches in the state, call all the pastors, these big churches. And this is seven years ago. And he, and he said, look, we want you to come and speak to these pastors. I said, okay. He said, um, and, and this is literally how he said, look, mate, I don't know you, but we've watched you. I look at you, and I look at this, and it's clearly not you. I'm not like, is, is that an insult or a compliment? I'm not really sure. I think it's, but he's right. He goes, so I want you to tell us. And then he just basically asked me to explain how this thing happened, and I'm like, I came up with something, but there will always be, I do not know how dynamic you I hope and pray it's always a part of your life. I'll only follow your God if you can tell me how, well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's not logical. It's not unreasonable, but it's not, it doesn't always, it cannot always make human sense. He's God. Like a, like, a, like a whole bunch of ants trying to understand 
how humanity works and they're living in their realm and God goes the only way you're gonna know me is I'm gonna have to become an ant so I, God became a man and literally walked amongst us to give us some glimpse and he when he was amongst the ants he said okay now that I've one of you let me explain to you how God is you're not gonna work it out and then came back up Like if it's that mysterious, what's the point of doing anything? Oh, God will just work it out. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. There is one sentence in the whole story that includes our responsibility. And it is this. It says, a man scatters seed on the ground. That's the only part where we know what to do. A man scatters seed on the ground. Sorry for whoever has to clean this up after the 11 a.m. service. The rest of it. Is no responsibility. Night, sure. Day, whatever. Sleep, maybe. Get up if you feel like it. Seed sprouts, grows, and he doesn't know how. So this one sentence is worth meditating on because it's the only sentence that has any kind of responsibility attached to it. So we, let's say it in unison. A man scatters seed on the ground. Try that. A man seed on the you don't have to memorize the, the rest. Just memorize that one sentence. That's the only thing you and I have to do. But in this one sentence is a loaded trilogy of applications. So let me give it to you quickly. Number one, we've got to be a sower. Yeah. Oh, hi, Rachel in the service. Oh, this is my friend, Rachel. She's uh, famous, but just, just say hi. Say, everyone say hi, Rach. Hi. Okay, no, she, she's really embarrassed now. Um, <laughs> a man scatters seed. Be, be, be a man who scatters, not a man who hoards, not a man who, who, who keeps to themselves. A man who scatters, a man who sows. Be a sower. Everyone say, I am a sower. Look at your neighbor and say, I am, I am a sower. Even if they think you're stingy, you just declare over them, I am a sower. It's the DNA of this kingdom is triggered by sowing. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the very nature. What a man sows, that will he People who want to reap but never sow are deluded. In any area of your life, if you want to see growth, you have to sow into it. Every year about now, I start looking at gym prices. And I realize I'm going to have to sow or I'm going to reap. And I go, it's not worth $3,000 to look a little better than what I look. The camera is a liar. But you have to sow. The nature of this kingdom, this God thing is triggered by sowing. At some point you have to give. Give your heart. Give your life. At some point, that awakens this dynamic called God and faith. To do nothing, you get nothing. This whole miracle. See, let me put it to you. The reason we have responsibility is this. The miracle of growth is God's deal. The conditions of growth is our deal. The miracle of how it happens is God's business. But the condition in which that miracle can happen, you and I have a responsibility. And what is it? A man scatters seed on the ground. Meaning, we have to be a sower. Decide in your heart to be a sower. And there are people here, maybe online, maybe in the room, and what has happened is, you have shut down the sowing mechanism of your life because you were hurt, grieved, offended by the lack of reaping. And it could be into a relationship you sowed and you thought, I'm never trusting again. And so you stop sowing into friendships. But the nature of this kingdom is awakened by sowing. I, I tried tithing and, 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 you know, I got a bill and it didn't really work and I gave once and... I'm not going to sow. And what you don't realize is the enemy has shut down the entire mechanism of the miracle. This thing only happens because you sow. I tried serving. I gave my gifts. They didn't appreciate it. So um, that's it. And you shut down the sower in you. 
And maybe today the Lord just wants to heal your heart in a way that 2023 won't be a reap, uh, a reap free year or a fruitless year. It'll be a year where because you sow, you will reap. As you sow, you will reap. As you sow forgiveness, you will reap it. As you sow grace, you will reap it. As you sow every area of your life, the nature of the kingdom is triggered by sowers. Everyone say, I am a sower. So don't just go to connect, so into connect. Don't just go to greenhouse, so into greenhouse. Don't just go to church, so into church. Don't just go to your family gatherings, so into your family gatherings. So into it, which is this, it's a different dynamic, but it's what awakens the kingdom. People don't like sowing because they think if I sow, I won't have any left. And look at what 2 Corinthians 9 says. Now, may he who supplies seed to the? Who does God give seed to? The? He doesn't supply seed to the eater. He doesn't supply seed to the hoarder. He doesn't supply seed to the spectator. He doesn't supply seed to the complainer. He doesn't supply seed to the cynic. He supplies seed to the sower. And you know what makes you a sower? Not that you like the concept of sowing, but you actually sow. And you sow regularly. I'm not a baker because I baked once. It's called a fluke. I'm a baker because I do it regularly. What God does is he looks to pour seed. And who does he give the seed to? The people who actually sow. So we go, I'm not getting anything. Are you sowing anything? The day your sowing stops, the supply stops. Because God supplies seed to the sower. And bread for food, supply and multiply. Listen, look at this phrase. May he multiply the seed you have sown. May he multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God doesn't multiply the seed you keep. He multiplies the seed you sow. God, I got a lot of seed. He's not multiplying that. A lot of savings. That's wonderful. He's not multiplying. I've got a lot of internal emotion. He only multiplies the seed you sow. What you give, he goes, I can do something with that. Everyone say, I am a sower. Declare that over your life. Just decide, I'm going to be a sower. I'm not going li- to live this life in a posture. And, and again, remember, he, he's going to supply seed. And what you sow, you will reap, and you'll keep pouring seed into your heart. And some of you are too seared from an experience. And today, I really believe the Holy Spirit can heal you. I really believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to live through 2023 clamped, locked, shut down, gridlocked, cynical, fearful, hateful, bitter. And you used to sow into church. Now you just go into church. And you think it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. To sow is a whole other level. I am a sower. Here's the second part of this loaded sentence. The man scatters seed. Everyone say seed. Seed. It's one thing to be a sower. It's another thing to be the seed. In 2023, decide you're not just going to be a sower, but you're also going to be the seed. You're like, whoa, what does that mean? No, no, no. On one level, I want to be a generous person with my disposition being one of giving. But I want to also be seed. It's another thing to be sown Versus just the person who sows. See, to do this is fun. (laughs) When you're the sower. To sow is easy. But it's another thing if you're one of the seeds being thrown. One of the seeds being sown. It's one thing to sow, it's another thing to be sown. And to, to, to sow is an act of generosity. To be sown is an act of surrender. And this kingdom only works when there is surrender. The nature of this God thing is only triggered with surrender. I wanted to be a rich lawyer that gave lots of money to missions. If you're a rich lawyer, 
give money to missions. But I remember the day when the Lord said, thank you for sowing. Now I want you to be sown. I want to sow you into another country. I want to sow you into another space, into another ministry. I want to sow you. And I'm like, God, I'm happy to scatter the seed. I didn't know you wanted to scatter me. I like the prayer that says, God, give me coins in my pocket that I could spend it wherever you want. But how about God, make me the coin in your pocket and you spend me wherever you want. That is a whole nother life. But that's how this kingdom works. You want to go deeper in this kingdom. It's, it's beautiful to sow. It's nothing to be sown. And you don't have to leave your country. You just have to leave your apathy. You don't have to leave your job. You just have to leave your mindsets. God, God my, my life is surrendered to you. My kids are yours. My family is yours. My future is yours. It's this posture of surrender. This whole kingdom cannot function without people who truly surrender. And that is, listen, do you realize that the Bible doesn't just talk about us as sowers? It talks about us as seed. In John chapter 12, look at the verse. It says, very truly I tell you, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And this is how you know you're talking about people. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. Jesus is literally saying, if he's now talking about you and I, not as the ones who scatter seed, but as the actual seed that's scattered. You keep this to yourself, nothing happens. You plant yourself, you throw yourself into the ground and die, so much more will come out of you. And that is hard because it involves surrender. It involves letting go, releasing, and saying, God, I'm willing to be sown. You know, there are situations you might face, and you might, you might have to go, you know what, God? I have sown, I have sown, I have sown. See, with sowing, there's the reaping, there's the principle. It's engaging. It's wonderful. It's almost attractive. But in surrender, it's a release to the sovereignty of God. You, just, you are God, and I am not. I'm going to sow my whole life, but I'm also seed that is sown. That's why today maybe is your day to actually just surrender your life to God. Don't just go, God, okay, I'll, I'll, with my life and my time, I will sow. That's wonderful, but take it deeper and go, I don't just want to be a man who scatters. I want to be the seed that is scattered. Lord, my life is yours. And listen, surrender feels like a tax, a Christian tax. Oh, you're becoming a Christian, you have to surrender. It only feels like a tax to the people who actually think they can work their life out on their own. When you realize how dependent you are on God, surrender is not just an option, it's the only option. It's attractive. You mean I get to surrender my life to the God who knows everything? Wow. Now it doesn't feel like I'm clutching a toy from a child. But I understand without God I can do nothing. Surrender is beautiful. Surrender is the best. <laughs> Surrender is only hard work to someone who thinks they've got a better plan. And sometimes surrender is the place we've got to land. That's where the mystery kicks in. My dad, for those of you who know the story, some, a lot of you won't, but he had, a, he had an aggressive lymphoma two years ago. And uh, it was so aggressive that oncologists said 50% chance the treatment works. He's in his mid-70s. They put him through six rounds of chemo, but there was a prophetic word one of our intercessors had in Canningvale 
Three months earlier, it's not one of those prophetic words after the fact, you know, where you hear everything and you know. No, this was like so supernatural. And she described in detail the name of the hospital, where I was, the flight back. And at the time, Dad wasn't sick. I wasn't flying. And so she filed it. She told a few people. She thought she's crazy. But then four months later, this all plays out. And it literally happened. I was in New Zealand. I flew back. This literal dream she had comes to pass. She tells our family when we're thinking, okay, it's the end. And it just was like this infusion of faith. I was like, wow, oh, he's going to make it. After a nine-month chemo cycle, the whole deal, he survives and he, he, he's totally cancer-free. He's cancer-free and he's, he starts to recover his health. Nine months later, having been cancer-free, he relapsed, which was last October. And this time it comes back even more aggressive. And this time we go to the oncologist. The first time the oncologist is like, well... Well done. I'm not sure how that happened, but, you know, I didn't think you had a good chance. You had a chance, and you made it. So, And then now when it comes, I was on a Zoom call because I was not in the room. I was in Perth. And he goes, look, you got three months. Enjoy your life. Get your affairs in order. When it comes back the second time, it's very aggressive. And, look, by the way, Dad knows where he's going. He knows his eternity. He knows heaven. It's all good. Lots of people we love dearly have lost loved ones to cancer. We've prayed. We believe. And at the end of the day, that's the dynamic of surrender. You know, so we, we got to this point last October. We're like, okay, Lord, it's, he, dad's yours. You know, we, 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 we do the sowing thing, but now we just got to come and surrender. I don't know what that word was. Maybe he was healed for a season, and now maybe it's time to go again. I don't know. So dad is like three months to go. I'm going to Malaysia. He's got nine siblings. He's number nine of ten. Two of his brothers closest to him died of cancer in the last few years. So it felt like this last tour kind of thing. All the family came to see him. We had the nicest Christmas. Everyone, he came to church. He's crying. He said this is the best. Everyone's sort of creating memories. He gets real sick. He gets this chronic infection that should have killed him. This infection was so bad that, I mean, the, the, the miracles on the way are actually quite astonishing. They're little things, but we managed to get him back to Perth. We get him back to Perth, and it was a drama. On the plane, the oxygen mask had a hole. Uh, like, literally, it was made, like, you know, any doctors on the plane, please come to the front. Any doctors? It was one of those scenes out of a movie, except it was us. And little, little things, we got him to emergency. The doctor's like, just come and, you know, basically say your goodbyes. I, he, there's no, unlikely to make it through the, the week, maybe the night. Uh, we all stay up, and then he, next day he has some consciousness, which is amazing. And he sort of prays blessing over every one of us. Like a scene out of Genesis. Oh, bless my son. Bless my daughter. Uh, we're all writing down our blessings. What are we getting? It's emotional. Oh, I love you, Dad. I miss you. But, you know, I'm so grateful because not everyone gets a chance to say bye to their loved ones. And you don't get to say everything you want to say. And sometimes they don't get to say everything they want to say. So I felt God was so kind through this entire ordeal. And so... We go to bed, and the next morning in the group chat, there's no missed calls. I'm like, no missed calls. That means nothing happened last night. Over the next five days, somehow to absolute shock, for, for, for scale, on an infection marker scale, zero is well, 100 is your critical. He was 471. And so he, was, he, had, he needed assistance for breathing, for his lungs, for his, for his IV, drips, feeding, and the whole lot. And his skin and but were like, not a good way to live. But we figured he's got a few days left. Every day he gets better. By the end of the week, he's got no uh, breathing, no, 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 no assisted anything. He's on his own. He's up. He's smiling. He's talking. We're like, we're happy, but what are you here? Like, you're not meant to. <laughs> like, we don't want to send you early or anything, but uh, like, the plane's late. We're 
like amazing. But then, you know, the, the chances of beating that infection were almost nil. The doctors were shocked. But then we knew a week later there was a thing called a PET scan. The PET scan was about to tell us where the cancer was at, which had spread, and he'd stopped taking the medication for the cancer because he was so sick. We go to the PET scan, we're like, okay, Dad, it's amazing. God gave you the dignity of not dying in Malaysia, not dying on the plane, not dying in the ER. Now you can go home and die, I guess. <laughs> we go to the PET scan, and the PET scan, I'm again on Zoom because I'm in Dubai this time, and uh, they're, they're calling, and the oncologist, same guy, he's a great guy. It's like, hmm, this is interesting. Can't really understand this, but uh, you had six legions all over the thing, the cancer, where it was going to spread. He thought it was going to go crazy. The medication he gave, he said, at best case, will halt the spread. It, it is not curative. It cannot work. Okay. So the medication that was curative, we didn't even take. And now he says five of the six lesions have just disappeared. Wow. Wow. They're not there. I don't know where they've gone. And, and he said there's one left and it's shrunk. Wow. So I'm pretty happy with these results. I'm going... <laughs> but never has a miracle sounded so morbid. Because literally, as we're going, like, are we allowed to give the Lord a shout of praise at the clinic here or what? You know, we're all the families there. He goes, yeah, but just don't get too excited. It'll be back in a couple of months. We're like, I remember being on the phone going, I, I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm not in the room. And then I rang the family. I go, did I just hear everything the way it was said? And, you know, we all left it like, oh, well, you know, he said it, it went once. It came back. It'll come back. I know how these things work. But you don't know how it worked because you don't know how these lesions disappeared when we didn't take the medication you gave him. So, so, and then, you know what I realized? I walked out of that and I said, this is really not about how long dad lives. There's a fight for the testimony. There's a fight for the God story. And I realized, God, this is not about, you know, he knows where he's going. He's not despairingly clutching to life on earth when all of us are going to one day go. This was now whether God, you got, got him for 10 hours, 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years. God, we just surrender. And you know, we, we surrendered at the start, but there's a place you can get to on a journey in the highs and lows where surrender is the most beautiful thing. It is an exhausting thing. We were Googling it until we were Googled, and our eyes were, it's just exhausting trying to understand everything. God, I don't know how because you are God. Lord, we will not only sow, but we will be seed. So we surrender our dad. We surrender our life. We surrender the time. And Lord, we just, it's a wonderful posture to embrace on every front of your life. Anything you are Lord of, you're in trouble with. So you might as well make him Lord of all. C.S. Lewis said he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You can't have a Lord in charge of some areas of your life. We're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not the Savior your God, not the healer your God, not the provider your God. The guy who's in charge. We're meant to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And that involves the joyful privilege of surrender. God, I'm sowing but God, I'm also seed. I don't just want to bring an offering. I want to be the offering. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. It's a beautiful posture. But this sentence has got one last part to it. It says, a man scatters seed on the ground. A man scatters seed on the ground. We're meant to be the sower. We're meant to be the seed. But we're also meant to be the soil. The soil is... You know, do you know the Bible doesn't just talk about us as sowing 
and doesn't just talk about us as seed. We read that. It also talks about us as the soil. In maybe the most famous agricultural parable, Jesus tells the story of a farmer who scatters seed. And we're not the farmer, that's God. We're not the seed, that's the word. The seed lands in four different types of soil, four different types of hearts, four different types of people. Right now, the seed that is out going out online around the world right here is landing on four different types of soil. According to the Bible, the question is, which soil are you? Man scatters seed on the ground. You and I are not just sower and not just seed. We are also soil. We are part of an environment. And you know, here's how the, 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 the miracle works. The miracle works like this. The, the first ground is pavement. It's just horrific. It's just block. Wouldn't matter who preaches, who sings, what they speak, nothing's going to grow. I'm so glad we don't pastor Pavement City Church. Because there's softness here. There's a hunger here. There's a receptivity. There's not a I know it all. You know, you throw the seed on carpet, nothing will take. And then the second soil is better than pavement. It's stony ground. But it's not great because it's thin. It's shallow. There's no depth. So there's excitement when they hear the word, but no depth to receive the word. And because there's no depth, nothing can grow. And in the first sign of trouble, it dies. The third kind of soil is thorny ground. That's actually, the soil gets incrementally better each time. Thorny ground is actually good soil. You know why? The Bible says that the seed goes, it grows, and it begins to sprout. The problem with the third soil, it's got depth. The problem with the third soil is not what's growing, it's what else is growing. And what else is growing are the thorns that start to choke the plant, which explains why you can go to church and not grow in church. Because the fruit that comes out of your life needs to be in thorn-free soil. The enemy will try and choke your growth if there's no thorn, if there's gardening required. But then the fourth soil, four different type of heart, which I'm praying is everybody today, is 30, 60, and 100-fold. It's good soil. It lands and it grows. It lands online and it grows. It lands in the room and it grows. And really, it's two layers. I want to be good soil in my heart so that I'm always soft, willing to grow. But also, 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 I want to be part of good soil. You know, I heard a stat last year that over 4,500 new people walk through the doors of our church in Perth alone. Just Perth, between our four, five, our five locations. That's a lot of people. My question initially was not staggered just at the number of people, but what soil do they walk into? Do they walk, you know, what, you know, when they walk into your home, what soil do they walk into? When they walk into your connect group, what sort of soil do they walk into? When they walk into your conversations, what sort of soil are they walking into? Is it the soil that produces 30, 60, and 100, or is it stuff that chokes the life? Is it stuff that never takes root? Is it stuff that just never receives anything? When they walk into your atmosphere, what soil are they walking into? And I realize, God, I want to be good soil at a personal level, but I also want us to be part of soil, that when they walk into any one of our settings, I, you know, I was asked recently by a secular journalist. He said, he's not a Christian. He said, what's your end game? And I'm like, what's my end game? Like, I know he's not a Christian, so he's trying to work out what's the catch. Like, what's the end game? But he kept using what's the end game. And I, all I could think of was Thor and Thanos and Captain America and Marvel and Avengers. End game, what's the end game? Cut off Thanos' head. I don't know. Cut off, what's the, what's the end game? What's the end game? Um, and, I, and I realized what his... Really what he's saying, what will you do this church, this church planning, this people coming, what's the end game? And, and I didn't really give him the seed and the soil thing. I didn't throw seed and I definitely didn't throw soil. I, I literally, but this is all that came to my heart in the moment. I said, 
I just want everyone who comes into contact with me to grow. That's it. That's it. You know, he, he was looking for some sort of world domination answer. And I said, no. I, I just want anyone who comes into contact with my life to leave better. And I want them to grow. And I hope that's what happens to everybody who comes to a part of, a part of the church. That, that you become good soil on this journey. Came in cynical soil, came in thorny ground, came in stony ground, came in maybe pavement. Opened your heart, gave your life to Jesus, went on the journey. You begin to grow 30, 60, and 100 fold. But everyone else in your life that lands in your soil also grows 30, 60, and 100 fold. Are you believing for that for 2023? What a good prayer to pray. What a good thing to say, God, make me good soil. Make me good soil. Make me good soil. And, and you know, why don't do we all stand? Why don't we all stand? I just want us to, to land this. Um, and everyone online as well, you can join us. Um, this, 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 this analogy of the sower and the seed and the soil is not just a sermon. It's actually God's very nature. He's three in one. He is the ultimate trinity, the ultimate trilogy. And you realize, when, when I meditated on this, I realized this is God. God is the Father. The Father sowed. The Father is the sower. God so loved the world that He gave. He sowed. God is a giver. God is liberal in His generosity. God is a sower. And then I realized the Son is the seed. Jesus was not just the sower. He was willing to be sown. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.